0: Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Thursday, October 6th, 2022. Anxiety is a big deal in our world, in people's lives. Uh, You at some point in your life probably have known what it is to be anxious or worried about something. There's so much in our culture uh, that's trying to be aimed at curing anxiety, whether that's through some kind of counseling or therapy or, or through medication. Does God have anything to say to those who are anxious? And throughout the Bible we're going to see the answer is yes. The Bible speaks very directly to anxiety, to worry, and we're going to see that today as we go back to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 35 through 37. And as you look at Isaiah 35, it says right there in verse 4, "Say to those who have an anxious heart." Now, the might not all of you may identify with that uh, phrase, but I bet there are many of you listening right now that when you hear the words say to those who have an anxious heart, you think that's talking to me. I'm one of those people that has an anxious heart. And we see there, let's look at verses three and four together. It says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, he will come and save you. So there, the the cure it gives, the command that it gives to those with an anxious heart, well, it tells them to be strong and to fear not. Why? Because God is coming. And even God is coming with vengeance and with the recompense of God, he is coming and saving you. And that's where we need to realize what some of them were anxious about was a lot different than what many of us are anxious about. You know, we talk about being anxious in uh, certain social situations, or we talk about anxiety, uh, maybe related to finances, or, or there could be a whole host of things. This was a real anxiety that they were about to be destroyed. Um, This was anxiety for their very lives. And this is a reminder that, hey, God is ultimately going to win in the end. Now, does that mean anything to us today? Should it mean anything to us? Because as you look at this, chapter in particular, Isaiah 35, I believe it is speaking uh, of this day when this king that we read about yesterday that's going to reign in righteousness, uh, he is reigning. I think this is looking forward to a future messianic kingdom, and it speaks even of this way of holiness uh, you know, leading people to the Lord and to Zion, and all the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Uh, that, that's a good reminder that one of the things we need to say to our anxious hearts is, Hey, I know how the story ends. I know how the story ends. It ends with everlasting joy. And that's where, you know, the the Psalms are, are very good for those that are anxious. And think of just some of the things in the Psalms. Psalm 23 speaks to frightening situations. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death, there's enemies, but it ends with, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Or think of Psalm 16, which speaks also of intense situations. It speaks of a future. At, At God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. So if you have an anxious heart today, I want to encourage you remind yourself how the story ends. Whatever it is today that seems like such a mountain in your mind, look past it to see the Himalayas of of the future, of the coming kingdom, a place where there will be nothing to be anxious about. And let that be an encouragement to you. Now, does that cure all things that we are anxious about. No, but we, we, we remember scripture speaks very clearly to this. Think of Philippians four basically says, don't be anxious about anything, pray about everything. And that helps us as we get into uh, these next couple chapters, Isaiah 36 and 37. Now this tells a story that we will see again in, in both Second Kings and Second Chronicles. We won't read it three days in a row, and I think that's actually a good thing that we'll have to come back to this in a little bit. We'll keep going through Isaiah. We'll come back to some of those things. We're at a part where, uh, as we're trying to read through chronologically, we're at a part where the, the prophets are mixing in, and, and Isaiah and so many of these other prophets, their ministries cover a, a large span, and we don't know exactly when each part of the book was written. So it's hard to be you know, uh, perfectly precise in going through chronologically here. But like I said, I think it'll help us that we read this story today. Instead of just reading it three days in a row, we'll come back and see it again. But it tells the story of Sennacherib invading Judah under the reign of King Hezekiah. And there's this figure known as the Rab Shaka, which apparently was a, a title uh, of a certain officer in the Assyrian army, he comes and he talks smack uh, to the people in Jerusalem. And Hezekiah, he responds. Both times they get a message uh, from uh, really Sennacherib. Uh, He responds really by seeking the Lord. The first time he goes to Isaiah, the the prophet, and, and Uh, he, he sends people to Isaiah, the prophet. So he seeks God through the prophet. And then the the second time when a letter comes, uh, to the people to say, Hey, we're not going to forget about you and you're still in trouble. He takes the letter and he goes and he reads it and he actually spreads it out before the Lord and he prays to God. In the temple, he says he goes up to the house of the Lord and he spreads it out there and he prays to God. And look at his prayer in verse 15. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim, You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone." therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord, our God, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. So he goes and he prays. And I think there, there's even an instructive thing for all of us and for those of us with anxious hearts of how he prays. And it reminds me of the verse, In Matthew chapter 6, as Jesus is teaching us not to be anxious, he uh, concludes that with "...seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness." and all these things will be added to you. Part of the cure for anxiety is seeking God first. And I want you to notice how Hezekiah's prayer is not all about himself. God, I'm in trouble, save me. It's really focused on God. He is insulting you, uh, show that you are, and you alone are the Lord, Uh, right? He is pleading, pleading with God, uh, For God to act for his own name's sake. And I think that's a good thing for us to remember in anxiety. Sometimes our anxiety comes or is worse because we are too focused on ourselves as opposed to God and his kingdom. And this is a good reminder for us that even as we pray through the things that make us anxious, let's do it in a way that our, our first concern really is for the glory of God, even in our own lives. So You anxious, remember how the story ends and then seek the Lord through prayer and specifically seek His glory. Uh, Now, today we also read Psalm 76, and many of the Psalms, we don't know when they were written, so if this one is not necessarily or for sure a match in chronology, it's a match in substance, as it really speaks of the glory of God and that he is to be feared, and no man can stand before him. And so let this psalm be a good companion to, hey, Sennacherib, this mighty king, and this Rabshakeh, this trash-talking man, they are not ultimately able to stand before the Lord. The Lord and the Lord alone is to be feared. Now, in the New Testament, we continue through this uh, section really of exhortation like we talked about yesterday. Hey, be who you are in Christ. Be who God has Created you to be in Christ. Uh, we, we continue that as we get into chapter 5 today. And we're going to see a few things here that should make us contrast with the world. Uh, we're looking at Ephesians 5 1 through 21 today. And it says, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. And Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the first thing we see here is a call to love. And I think that really matches where we left off yesterday as it talks about we need to forgive as Christ forgave. Well, now it's saying we need to love as Christ loved. And he gave himself up for us. That's something we're going to see later in the chapter referring to husbands. But that is not just how husbands are to act. That is how Christians are to act. We are to be those that walk in love and and give ourselves to others. That's something that should be distinct about Christians. The next section is really a call uh, to separate ourselves from the, the sexual immorality of the world, saying it must not even be named among us. And, and same with that, there should be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. And notice there uh, how much of, you know, when you think of crude joking, what are we talking about? Well, a lot of it is really uh, referring to sexual Things. And we don't that that should not be a part of our speech. Crude sexual talk uh, is not fitting for a Christian. What is fitting, it goes on to say, is thanksgiving. And, and it reminds us again of the link, as we saw in Colossians, with sexual immorality and covetousness and idolatry and it's saying, no, you are not to be involved with the sexual sin of the world. I think that should challenge us. We don't want to be engaging in sexual sin. We don't want to be talking or joking about it. I think in our time, there's a valid question here for Christians. Hey, what are you watching? Uh, And even I think we should clearly see from this, any kind of pornography is uh, something that should not, is not fitting among Christians, but even less than that, just as we think about popular entertainment, are we partnering and letting the filthiness of the world uh, really into our lives in ways that this text uh, is maybe saying, no, we are children of the light and it's shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. So a call to stand out uh, in the way of purity in an impure world. And then another thing, again, impurity, if you pay any attention to the culture around us, it is so prevalent. Uh, Another thing that's very prevalent in the world around us is drunkenness. And here we also see a call. No, drunkenness is also something that should not characterize a believer. That's debauchery. Instead, we should be filled with the spirit. And another thing, just notice this, uh, both in contrast to sexual immorality and in contrast to drunkenness, one of the things that comes up is thankful. And so there I think you see the contrast. Instead of being an immoral, drunken people, we are to be a thankful and loving and sacrificing people. People, so that might give you some things to think through today. Uh, one: Is there any sexual impurity in your life? Consider the clear teaching of this commandment, and it's time to put that away, or to confess that, or, or to uh, to not indulge, or not to say those jokes, or not to watch maybe that TV show or those movies. Uh, that that nah, I don't I don't want to do that. I want to fill my mind with things that are pure. And also, just to ask yourself: Hey, am I walking in love? Is sacrifice and concern for for other people the pattern of my life as it was the pattern of Christ's? Hopefully those thoughts challenge us today, but hopefully also we're comforted even in our anxiety by knowing how the story ends with the Messiah reigning. And also in the meantime that we can bring our prayers to Him and we can seek His glory in prayer and that will help us in our anxiety. Thanks for digging in